Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the service for Sunday, January the 17th. We're already halfway through January, hard to believe. Today, we're going to be hearing more from our sermon series on overcoming fear, and we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today, especially since we can't meet any other way right now. Um, as you know, that the measures have been extended for some time, and so until the measures that we are currently under are lifted, we will continue to meet this way, online. We do want to pray for you, so if you would like to send in prayer requests, we would be happy to add those to the list. We also want to encourage you to continue to follow us on social media and to be checking your email inbox for any updates that we can give you. So until we can see each other in person again, we just hope that you enjoy the service today and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.
Jesus' name, amen. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 6 and 12 to 16. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted the crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Hello, everyone. I grew up in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. One of the unique road hazards that one must be concerned about when driving in Newfoundland is the possibility of hitting a moose that's crossing the road. Now you may ask the question, why would the moose cross the road? Well, I really don't have the answer to that question other than perhaps he's going with his best friend, the chicken. I have no idea. Now this possibility of hitting a moose with your vehicle is heightened if it is a dark, foggy night with limited visibility. Hitting a moose with your vehicle most often results in significant damage, in fact, can often result in death for those who are in the vehicle. This is a picture of an example of the damage that can be done in a moose accident to a vehicle, and this is certainly not the worst picture I could find. When growing up in Newfoundland, the possibility of encountering a moose on the highway after dark when you were driving was always a dominant part of your thoughts. And if you were wise, you would adjust your driving accordingly. Just days before my 17th birthday, I was the front seat passenger in a vehicle being driven by my cousin. It was a drizzly, foggy night and there were no lights on the highway. Our fears of striking a moose were heightened since these were perfect conditions. And as we rounded the corner, our worst fears became reality. A large moose was standing in the middle of the road. Because of the fog, the reaction time between seeing the moose and avoiding the moose was limited and we inevitably collided with this 800 to 1,000 pound animal. A combination of a slower speed because of our fears, the angle of impact, and the sheer grace of God, 
resulted in us being able to walk away from the accident without a scratch and minimal damage to the vehicle. The moose was literally thrown completely over the top of the car instead of coming down inside the car. Truth be told, that encounter continues to impact me to this day. There's a fear that I experience when I drive on drizzly, foggy, dark nights, even after all these years. Fear has a way of impacting us, of controlling us, of draining us, causing us to default into survival mode. Now, last week, we launched a new sermon series, which we've entitled Overcoming Fear. And we are considering in this series examples from Scripture of how God's presence and God's power during times of intense fear makes it possible to not only survive, but to thrive despite our fear. Now, we began last week with Psalm 121, and we discussed the fear associated with facing an unknown future and how we can thrive when we remind one another that God is always with us. Today, we're going to be considering the story of Gideon, and we will see that fear stems from a lack of trust in God. And we'll be reminded today that we can overcome the fear associated with intimidating circumstances when we choose to put our trust in God. The first thing I want us to consider in our scripture today are the circumstances. Gideon's story takes place during a period known as the Judges in Israel's history. The period of the Judges took place between the death of Joshua and the coronation of the first king of Israel, Saul. And so the period of the Judges filled in the gaps of leadership between these two individuals. There was no planned leadership during the period of the Judges. God raised up individuals to meet special circumstances as needed or to act as rulers to deal with specific issues as they arose. The people of Israel repeatedly fell into idolatry, into sin, because they wanted to be like the surrounding culture. So they often rejected God with their disobedience. The time of the judges was known as a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Consequently, God's protection was lifted and enemies often had their way with the nation of Israel. The oppressors at the time of Gideon were the Midianites and the Amalekites. They were predatory desert dwellers. They frequently raided Israel, taking their crops, livestock, and then destroying what they didn't take. They were compared to a plague of locusts. They came unannounced, consumed what they could, and left a path of destruction behind them. Most of the Israelites were filled with fear, and so they took to the hills for safety, many of them living in caves. The result was many of the Israelite people were starving to death and living under the fear of imminent invasion and possible death. The second thing I want us to see in our scripture is perception. 
The story of Gideon opens with him threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, clearly, this is an unusual practice. Normally, grapes are processed in the wine press, and wheat is threshed in an open area on a threshing floor. Like many of his fellow Israelites, he was trying to keep his activities secret from their enemies because he was afraid that they would come and take away what little food he had. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now Gideon's response to the messenger revealed some very important truth. Not only was Gideon living under the fear and oppression of his circumstances, but he believed that God had not only abandoned him, but had abandoned Israel. He said to the messenger, look around you. Look at what we're going through here. Look at what's happening to us. God is not with us. If God was with us, this would not be happening to us. Now, there's an interesting dynamic that's happening here. From God's perspective, Israel had abandoned him, disobeyed him, wanted a secular culture more than they wanted him, which resulted in God removing his protection and consequently the people suffering oppression and fear. From Gideon's perspective, God had abandoned Israel. And what they were experiencing was God's fault because God had let them down. Now, the story that Gideon was telling himself added to the weight of the oppression and the fear that was taking place, that even God had forsaken them. It's interesting to note that the messenger didn't engage Gideon's observation, but said, God is sending you, Gideon, to save Israel from its enemies. Now, Gideon was puzzled. He said, how can I save Israel? I don't have the credentials to save Israel. I come from an insignificant family, and guess what? Within that insignificant family, I'm the most insignificant member. I don't qualify. I don't meet the criteria for such an important task. Gideon said, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. The messenger replied back to him, Come in the strength that you have, and God will be with you, and he will give you the victory. Well, Gideon was not sure. He wanted a sign. Show me something to prove that God is with me. In the meantime, he went to prepare food for the messenger. When he returned, he set the food out before the messenger, and the messenger touched the food with his staff, and it ignited, poof, and went up in flames. Side note, I think this is where Saganaki, you know that when you go to a re Greek uh, restaurant and they bring out the cheese uh, in, in the frying pan and they catch it on fire, I think this is where it came from, or maybe Cherry's Jubilee. Just, just a side note, just a thought. In seeing this happen, Gideon now knew that this was God that was acting that God had not abandoned him, nor did God abandon Israel. And so he then built an altar to God and offered up a sacrifice 
to him. The third thing we see is victory. The Midianites, the Amalekites, came and set up camp in preparation to attack Israel and steal all of their things. We're told that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and Gideon sent out word for the troops to gather to fight against the enemy. 32,000 troops gathered in response. Now, this may seem like a good response, but in light of the size of the enemy's camp, 32,000 was still small in comparison. Any victory that Israel would experience would clearly be based on God's power, not on human strength. God told Gideon to send all of those who were afraid, who were trembling, send them back home. And so 22,000 of the 32,000 were sent home. Gideon was now left with 10,000 troops. God wanted to further reduce the number, so he proposed a test to Gideon. He asked Gideon to take the 10,000 troops to the water to drink and observe how they drink. Only 300 of them drank in a manner that kept them aware and alert of their surroundings. So then Gideon, in response, sent all but the 300 men back home. The night before the battle, Gideon was camped with his 300 troops. He was afraid. He was discouraged. He was about to face his oppressors with only 300 troops. God then directed him to an area of the camp where he overheard the dream that one man had, and he was sharing his dream with another man. And in the dream, God gave victory to Gideon and his army. And hearing about this dream, Gideon was encouraged. He called his men before midnight to prepare for battle. Now, this was unusual preparation. Instead of swords and shields and spears, they were going to use torches and clay bowls and trumpets. They were told to place the bowls over top of the torches so the light would not be seen. He divided the troops into three groups of 100 and gave them specific instructions. At his signal, they followed through exactly as he asked. They smashed the bowls that covered their torches, creating a huge noise. Instantly in the process, revealing a great light, and then they blew their trumpets. The sights and the sounds caught the enemy off guard. It seemed like a great army was attacking. The enemy turned on each other in confusion, and many of them ran away. God gave Gideon and this small army of 300 troops victory in the most unusual way imaginable because they trusted God despite their fears. Fear that is the result of intimidating circumstances is a common reality for most of us, for most people. It has always been, and most likely, it will always will be with us, this type of fear. We experience the fear of losing a loved one or what life is going to be like now that our loved one is gone. 
we experience the fear of a collapsing marriage or what life is going to be like now that our marriage has ended. We experience the fear associated with trying to meet our financial obligations or what we're going to do now that we've lost our job. We experience the fear associated with trying to raise a stable family or what we're gonna do now in response to this unique challenge that we're facing with our children. We experience the fear associated with our health and what we're gonna do if things get worse. These are normal, everyday fears that most of us experience. Now added to these quote, normal, everyday fears that most of us experience are now some new fears. The fear of infection, the fear of potential new strains of the virus, the fear of isolation, the fear of serving on the front lines to care for others while potentially putting yourself and your family at risk, the fear of going to work even though the environment there feels unsafe to you, or going to work even if you have symptoms because you can't afford to not go to work and not be paid. The fear of an uncertain future. The fear of your elderly loved ones that they may die alone. The fear of the addiction that already haunts someone that you love and how it might now be intensified. The fear of serious mental health challenges and how even how suicide might reach someone you love. The fear that is fed by conspiracies that leave you wondering what is it that's really true. The truth is we are living in a time of significant compounding fear and many are collapsing under the weight and burden of the worry and the anxiety. Like Gideon, we may find ourselves looking around and reaching the conclusion that God has abandoned us. If God really cared about us, then we wouldn't be experiencing what we're experiencing today. If God really cared, he wouldn't allow this to happen. Now, this may be the story that some of us are telling ourselves. But the story we are telling ourselves is not true. God has not abandoned us. God does care about us. God desires to work not only in us, but also through us to take every fear captive. If I were being transparent with you today, I would say that what has troubled me most as we have journeyed through these challenging times are what I would deem to be selfish responses that I have witnessed from many people in many places. People who are consumed with how the restrictions and the guidelines impact them personally, how these things inconvenience their individual lives. People who push back because they feel their rights are being infringed upon. People who, in all honesty, really only care about themselves. 
people who spread conspiracies because in doing so, they strengthen their own positions and opinions and desires. But I want to also tell you what has inspired me most. What has inspired me most are followers of Jesus who understand that God's kingdom is not a political kingdom. That putting the desires and the needs of others above our own is how the kingdom of God functions. Who are willing to make personal sacrifices to ensure the safety and quality of life for another person. Who understand what it means to love their neighbor above themselves. I want you to know today that I am so grateful to be able to navigate this challenging time with these kind of people, with people like that. God's encounter with Gideon was not limited to helping Gideon overcome his own personal fears. It was bigger than Gideon. It was intended as a way for God to use Gideon to help a whole nation overcome its fears by learning to trust in God. Gideon, the self-proclaimed nobody, was used by God to erase the fears of a whole nation because he allowed God to first erase his fears and then to work through him for the benefit of others. That is what serving Jesus in this time is all about. It's about God using all of us nobodies to help somebody discover the power of putting their trust in God. It starts with each of us overcoming our fears by putting our trust in God and then demonstrating that trust by allowing God to work through us to help others overcome their fears by putting their trust in God. Folks, fear often stems from a lack of trust in God. We can overcome the fear associated with intimidating circumstances when we choose to put our trust in God. Just imagine, God not only wants to lift my fears and your fears, but he wants to use us, these nobodies, to help lift the fears of so many others as well.
midst of our tears, in our doubts and our fears, we are kept as we trust Thank you for joining us today. If we can be of assistance to you, please do not hesitate to either email us or call us. God bless you and we pray that you'll have a great week ahead.